a cup of coffee, sit down, and enjoy the next half hour with Dr. Rick Holm, our Prairie Doc. He's here ready to answer any questions you might have of a medical nature. Give us a call at 692-1430. Dr. Holmes' specialty is internal medicine. He's worked with the Avira Medical Group Brookings and has served as a clinical professor at the University of South Dakota Sanford School of Medicine. Good morning, Rick. Good morning, Joan. Good to have you here. You Good were to be here. Really not only a minute late. That well, wasn't bad. I, I was, I, I, you know, I'm struggling with my GI tract. I'm, I should not bring that up, but I mean, you know, that's what this whole Whipple thing has done. And it's, uh, my life is not completely my own. I can understand. That's not that easy. You know, um, so many of the listeners know that you've been dealing with cancer and you had major surgery just a few months back. Not even two months, is it? Well, May 10. It's yeah, three months. it's three months. Oh, my goodness. Why don't you give us a quick update on how you're feeling all positive, we want well, to hear. No, <laughs> but I have seen you in those three months, and they, you seem to me to be stronger and healthier every week that I see you. They they say that it's a kind of an up-and-down game, and you recover in three to 12 months. And I'm at three three months, a little bit more than three months right now. And I, you know, I, I think I came around a corner uh, maybe two, three weeks ago. Strength is getting better. Uh, I tried to get some running in. The running is, it takes a lot out of you yet at this point, so I'm going to do the walking. And uh, I am doing the walking, and I'm, I'm getting stronger. Uh, my weight uh, has bottomed out. They said you, you'll lose weight, and you'll probably stay about that lower weight. It's sort of like gastric bypass surgery okay. in, its, in its way. I am, uh, but I gained a pound. This last oh, right. Week. So I think I'm around that corner. You know, this non-medical specialist told you about four weeks ago, do not run. You didn't listen to me, did no, you? No, I didn't listen to you, doctor. <laughs> <laughs> Should have listened. I, th- I can't believe he's running three miles after that major surgery. So now you're walking. Walking's good exercise. Walking's good. Yep. I'm, I'm going to get back to the running. Uh, I know, but not so right away. Huh? Yeah, not quite. Okay. Yet. Well, that's our update from Dr. Holm. We have had... Uh, we had two questions come in last week that we didn't get a chance to address, and we had another one that already came in this morning. Okay. We really do appreciate your questions. Now, we're not ignoring you, but we will take our first break and get to those medical questions right after these words. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. Happy to have you listening. I'm Joan Hogan. With me in the studio is Dr. Rick Holm, who is more than happy to answer your questions of a medical nature. And one of the first that came in last week was a question about chemotherapy. Does the Brookings Hospital offer chemotherapy? Right. I had uh, my chemotherapy in the clinic, uh, coordinated by Dr. Mark Huber in Sioux Falls. But the clinic here in Brookings. Right. Yes. I, so so uh, chemotherapy can be done right here in Brookings at the clinic, probably also at the hospital? Uh, you know, uh, Mark Huber did a telemed with me uh, so that I saw him, you know, every other week as the chemotherapy was uh, being given and uh, for a period of time and then follow up, and I'll be seeing him again in two weeks. Um, and uh, but they switched it from the clinic to the hospital in the interim. So I'll be, in two weeks I'll see him teleconferencing at the hospital. I think some of the clinic stuff is occurring at the hospital now and so on and back and forth um, uh, because they have uh, reached a collaborative thing and there is also a building that's been being shared and so on and so forth. 
So um, I'm not sure whether it's at the clinic now or at the hospital, but it is at one of those places. Definitely available here in Brookings. That's right, good and to it's know. It, it was the full nine yards chemo. I mean, you know, it was triple, triple chemo. So you would know and if there's chemo available the in Brookings, there is no reason to leave town. No. Well, we had another question not question. related to that, but it's a question. Thank you for calling in with that question. I'm sorry we didn't get to it last week. The second one from last week is talking about a heart condition. If you have a heart condition, should you increase or decrease water consumption? Huh. Well, Interesting. Those, uh, okay, it depends upon the heart condition. Uh, my personal bias is that if we are, you know, uh, with a reasonable mind and your brain is working well, well, you should know when you're thirsty or not. And then you will drink if you're thirsty. And if you're not thirsty, pushing water is, I don't think, is uh, necessary. Although I don't think it does much harm. Uh, you know, a lot of people think that it's the greatest thing in the world that we should drink more water and we're not doing enough water. And you hear it from some doctors, too. Uh, my, I think the nephrologist friend of mine, uh, uh, Phil Hoffman from Peer, who is uh, a, mas- a master researcher, a wonderful uh, teacher at, at Was- Washington University in St. Louis, um, a brilliant man. Uh, was on my show, and I and we asked that question to him, and he said, you know, if you've got a thirst, then you're fine. Uh, then if your thirst monitor works, then there's no trouble. Now, if you get demented, or if you've had strokes, or you're very elderly, uh, sometimes, or you're sick from some reason or another, you may not have your thirst monitor working full well, and then you need to have enough fluid to stay hydrated. Uh, if you're working outside in the over excessive heat, you need to drink a lot of fluid to stay hydrated in that type of a scenario. Uh, but for the most part, you don't have to. Now, look at uh, heart conditions. Many heart conditions, uh, such as heart failure, have too much fluid on board. And I have them on a diuretic to try to get rid of it. I have some people when, who are on diuretics who are drinking water because they, you know, they're Neighbors said that's the thing they should be doing, and uh, my diuretics aren't working <laughs> because <laughs> they're, they're over they're over water. Drink, drinking water. So uh, my answer to her in general is: it may well be if you have a heart condition that involves uh, uh, requiring a diuretic um, for maybe even blood pressure, but also for heart failure or edema or swelling in your ankles and so on and so forth. Then I wouldn't push water like people are saying to you. I would drink when you're thirsty. You know, when you're eating supper, you can, you know, have a glass of water or, you know, milk or, you know, tea or whatever floats a glass your boat. of <laughs> a beer or whatever it might be. But don't um, push it uh, when there's heart disease. As now a we rule. had, I'm interrupting you, but we had a call that just came in before the program related to what you're just talking about. So maybe we should address this uh, woman's concern too. She's 87 years old and her sodium levels are very low. She can't get her sodium levels to go higher and she's doctoring right now for congestive heart failure and benign hypertension. My doctor has limited me to one to two small cups of coffee per day and no more than three glasses of water a day, including this coffee. Is there anything else I can do to help my sodium levels to increase? 
Right, it's a difficult question. This is one of the most uh, challenging questions of, of healthcare. Uh, and there's no consistent answer out there. You don't hear good answers in the healthcare world um, for hyponatremia, the, the low sodium situation that occurs in people who have weak heart. I think the most important thing that, um, that you do and you've been able, we've been able to do in people with low sodium that ref represents the, the it is reflecting the weak, weak heart is uh, to use ACE inhibitors like um, lisinopril uh, to uh, use uh, certain beta blockers for heart pump uh, weakness. Um, and uh, uh, the uh, right amount of diuretics. But sometimes when you're squeezing all these things just exactly right, their sodium starts to drop. I have found myself in certain cases giving them salt tablets, but you've got to, I, I'm not asking this person to take that advice because that's a doctor's order and that has to be extremely carefully monitored. Uh, spironolactone is one of those medicines that really helps with heart failure as well, but you've got to really ma carefully monitor the potassium as well during that time. So the answer is that low sodium is something that the doctor needs to be extremely aware uh, the most important treatment is being provided to you, which is to withhold water. Uh, many times this is related to syndrome of inappropriate ADH. Which is, and um, I can't even get into that because ADH is antidiuretic hormone. And if you have uh, inappropriate antidiuretic, you know, it just gets too complicated. Okay, so we the, won't be the, the long and the short of it is... <laughs> You and your doctor are probably doing the best right now, right? You know, m you've got to stay close to your doctor, make sure that she or he is monitoring your electrolytes, uh, and sometimes adjustment of medications is, is what is needed, and uh, it's a careful and slow and gradual um, and monitored adjustment. Well, thank you, and we do appreciate those calls. Again, I apologize for not getting to the couple of calls last week, but we had a really nice show with Kelly. I'm sorry you weren't here. Well, <laughs> Kelly I'm sure Evans was just great. She did better than I would do. No, she, she was just a very enjoyable person. Gal, isn't she? Glad to have her here. And right now, we are going to take our next break, and we'll get back to your questions right after these words. Doc Radio, Joan Hogan here discussing medical issues with Dr. Rick Holm. And we had another caller come in. We do appreciate these calls. I think that rain has people sitting inside. Yeah, yeah. they do. But she wants to know about her child or grandchild, I don't know which it was, child, who is going back to school next week, as most of these kids are. But her child um, deals with asthma. Is there any advice you can give for a child going to school and dealing with asthma? Right. Is that a concern? Uh, well... The medications that we use for asthma uh, are primarily uh, beta agonists, adrenaline-like medicines. Beta agonists meaning um, the opposite of beta blockers, you know, that the, it, it is a promotion of the adrenaline system or adrenaline-like medication. Um, and that will dilate the bronchial tubes. The problem with those medications, however, is they they develop, uh, you develop a resistance and then you need more of it and then you get uh, twitchy lungs that are more sensitive 
and when they just treated people with uh, uh, those kind of medicines, um, those types of inhalers, uh, and nothing else, there was more deaths of, from asthma than there were in the kids who weren't treated with the beta oh agonists, even though they give you tremendous relief. Take it from a kid who had childhood asthma. Uh, when you can't sleep at night because you can't breathe, you take a puff of that and you can suddenly breathe and then and you sleep. can sleep. Right. How do you beat that? I mean, that just changed my life when I was, you know, in the, uh, when I was 8, 9, 10, 11. Geez, it was just an important thing. However, uh, they can be dangerous. You know, you can use more and more and more and more and then suddenly you, you, uh, you have uh, adrenal insufficiency and you end up with more death uh, from asthma than you would if you didn't use these. See, th its problem is that people won't use those conservatively. They, they give them, it gives me relief. I've got to get relief, you use and it again. use it too much. Got to right. get relief using it again and if it's severe asthma, uh, you can't stop them from using it. There is, however, an, an answer in the in the uh, wings, and that is steroids. Uh, and now they have steroids, inhaled steroids, so that if you can give them inhaled steroids, uh, it'll turn off the inflammatory response which is going on in the lung. Now that's very, very important to realize. And what is really important is that they combine them with these beta agonists so that you go, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta have this, I gotta have it, you use it, well, okay, you got a shot of the steroid too. And you don't feel the steroid, you felt the relief from the beta agonist. Well, I gotta have it again, okay, you get more steroid. So you get more steroid when you need it. And so what happens is Advair was the one that really broke through with that one. Um, there was one particular study where they combined the two of them in a quick, a short-acting beta agonist, uh, and uh, it really worked well because then they would steroid dose until they needed it, and then it would turn off the system, and it would gradually solve the problem. Uh, and so uh, uh, that is the answer. The answer is somewhere in there using a steroid and a beta agonist, but being very careful with the beta agonists. I like them when they're combined. They're terribly expensive. Um, and uh, that, don't get me started on that. Uh, that <laughs> makes me just hugely terribly angry. Expensive. What's the trigger, Dr. Holm? What, what would trigger an asthma attack? Uh, I mean, everybody is different. And so uh, many times people will get asthma if they exercise. Some people get asthma when they're exposed to certain pollens. Some people get al uh, asthma when they're exposed to certain animal dander, uh, like cats. Uh, some people get asthma uh, for no reason that you can tell. Some, most of the time it's a seasonal asthma. Uh, it's sometimes it's not seasonal. Some people, and my, my problem was house dust. Uh, and I was triggered the very first time I can remember when my sister and I were in the back seat riding in the old car down from D. Smet all the way to Springfield, Missouri in the back roads because there was no interstate. No interstate then. And we're riding this long ro road, right? And we're playing around and somebody found that you could pull the, the bottom part of the, the, um, the seat out and get at all of the, 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 the 
pennies and the nickels. And, and I wonder back who there. that someone was. What do you and, think, uh, Rick or his sister? And, I go for Rick. And um, but came uh, along with the pennies and the nickels and the, the combs and came the dust. And I mean, that's when the asthma hit me. And then I had asthma for two weeks, three weeks. Wow. And they used to treat it with a ca- caffeine-like medication, aminophilin. Uh, and it just made me shakier than a, you could build. Uh, I can't uh, imagine you needed anything to make you oh more active. Oh, my God, active. it just <laughs> <laughs> You were flying. And it didn't. It, um, uh, you know, the theophylline-like medications are really the same as coffee. Coffee yeah. can do the same thing. So coffee will make you breathe a little bit better if you're... But it's not the best medicine. But you they were thrilled those. the first time you got the beta agonist, right? Bob Bell, Dr. Bob Bell from D. Smith, he said, there's a new medicine out here. I'm going to give it to you. And he gave it to me. And Thank you, Bob. <laughs> thank you, Dr. Bell. Oh, wow. What wow. a difference. Saved my life. Well, for this woman, her question is the child in school. Prob- probably they're worried about I don't know, maybe more exercise, whatever triggers this child. But overall, they need to go. You need not to be afraid for them to go to school because the kid will be afraid if you show any fear that they're going to be going to school. So be one of the most important things is uh, asthmatics are sensitive to the emotions of the people around them. I remember one resident said to me when I was a med student and I was going in the emergency room at Grady Hospital and there was a room full of asthmatics. And, you know, we were all, we were treating like six or eight asthmatics at a time. And he, he said, now you go in there with a swagger. You don't go in there going, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what I'm doing. I, I'm just an intern. I don't know yeah. what's going on. You go in there and you know what you're going to do. You're going to give them IV aminophilin and fluid. You're going to give them um, beta agonist inhaler. Uh, and then you're going to make sure that they know that they're going to get better. So I walked in there, yeah, I've got the answer for you, here it is, and you're going to get better. And uh, they did a lot better uh, than the ones that I treated earlier when I walked in and go, I, I went in, I don't know what, quite what I'm doing, I'm new here, you know. I, I <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, there is something about the emotions, uh, particularly with asthmatics. Uh, and, you know, as a physician, uh, in taking care of people with all illnesses, uh, I always believe in being honest. If you didn't know what you're doing, uh, you just confidently said, I'll find somebody who's, who knows how to do this. Uh, if you knew what you're doing, you didn't, you, you let that confidence show because they need that. But part of what you do is to give people the reassurance that they need. And uh, never lie, uh, but uh, let your confidence show if you know what you're doing. Well, that's a good que- answer for the woman who's concerned about her child going to school. Don't be concerned. Things will be great. It, and we're going to take our final break and be back right after mm-hmm. these words. Well, I'm are we back on? We are. Okay. Joan Hogan, we've just got a couple minutes left. Dr. Wow. Rick Holm is here, ready to answer your questions. We had an interesting call just come in. Thank you for this call. And the question is, it's a woman in her 40s called in, and she said, what to do for a cluster of bites with water blisters on them? I don't know what type of bugs they are. It's red with firm skin, pain in the muscle in back below the shoulder blade. What can be done? What medications? She has been using baking soda. Hmm. 
Well, if it's a cluster and it's on one side of the body and it has a tendency to stretch into a line that goes around the chest from the back, I mean, it, it, it's a picture of shingles. She's got shingles. She Joan. thinks she was bitten, and basically she probably has shingles. It's a very painful wow. condition. What it is is it's a tight little cluster of blisters. That's what she said, and blisters a, and on a, them. Uh, they say a teardrop on a rose petal. You've got a red base, and you've got the... the teardrop on a rose petal. Yeah. If that's what it looks like, call your doctor. You need well, some you help need, with I those mean, shingles. There's some tremendous help that you can have. Uh, there are two kinds of medicines. There's an anti-virus uh, 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 um, medication that you can um, then you can take uh, that will uh, quite significantly reduce the infection and infectivity because you're infectious with this. Uh, it's the same as uh, chickenpox. And the other part of it is a steroid bur- burst that will help you with the pain and. Um, and reduce its long-term consequences. But you're in a young, you're how old? She's in her 40s. So she's a young person and will have uh, no major long-term consequences as a rule. But if you're, uh, the older you get, the higher chance that that uh, can, that, that, that shingles can cause uh, a, an inflammatory nerve pain that persists. Uh, they call that post-herpetic neuralgia. And so, uh, you know, you just have to uh, realize that there's the reason when you're an older person to get the heck in there. But she's got shingles, 90 95% chance that it's shingles. Of course, there's always the possibility that it's a, it's a, it a is topical a yeah. allergy, you know, that, yeah. that there's some kind of, of uh, she's been putting a certain kind of cream on it that's causing allergy f- to a bite. You know, maybe there's that topical allergy or other things that can happen. So you need to be seen, but I'm The betting. description sure sounds like oh, shingles to you. It yep. sure does. All right. Well, please get into your doctor. You will need that help. You know, we've just a few minutes remaining, and uh, I thought I'd mention our program tomorrow night. South Dakota Public Television, 7 anxiously. o'clock. Anxiously. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, we're dealing <laughs> with anxiety. <laughs> oh, no. So yeah, <coughs> let's be serious about anxiety. Yes. It can be... It can be a problem for people. Well, a lot of people have anxiety disorders, right? There are many causes of anxiety. And, you know, the, the uh, discussion that we had, uh, this is with Tony Vaca uh, and with Wallace Jackman, uh, two really, really neat people. The discussion that we had uh, ta- addressed uh, anxiety in a very neat way. I mean, it was just, uh, it was a nice, this is a summer rerun. It's the last of our summer reruns. A week from tomorrow night is the first first live show. Uh, Again, it's with Vance Thompson. We're going to talk about eye diseases. Uh, And I've got my essay already written for for the show. But uh, to uh, back to anxiety, anxiety, this show with Tony Vaca uh, and Wallace Jackman uh, was really superb. And, you know, the idea of what causes anxiety, uh, there are many kinds of causes. Uh, you know, it's, uh, the, but one thing that I, I tend to see when I was looking at the geriatric population is that depression uh, uh, is oftentimes uh, the cause of anxiety. And sometimes depression is the cause of, a, uh, de- of uh, anger. In guys, guys don't have depression really. 
they they're not allowed to no and they don't <laughs> allow themselves they don't they aren't sad i'm not sad i'm just mad, mad. just plain mad <laughs> or i'm i'm stressed out i mean i'm just my work is stressing me and i'm i just can't handle it anymore and it isn't it but if you treat depression that anger or that anxiety goes away so i've i have uh I hate anxiety. Med- I'm not a happy. I'm not a supporter of the typical Valium-like an- anti-anxiety medicine. We have one last question in we 20 do. seconds. We have it. Do it. I don't know if we. We can. have all the time you need. Flowers of sulfur from pharmacists put in shoes and bugs stay off. What is this in reference to the last call? Someone is suggesting to get from the pharmacist flowers of sulfur, put it in your shoes, and the bugs will stay away. I've never heard of that. Have huh. you? Well, if, if, if it's shingles, that won't make any difference. No, if she has shingles, we're not going to help her. flowers of sulfur in your shoes as a bug deterrent, I've never heard that. Never heard it either. But not you know, there's always something new coming work. down the pipe. It's worth yeah. considering. All right. Thank okay. you for that call. We appreciate the help. Uh, that's it. We hope you've all enjoyed Prairie Doc Radio Program, and we'll listen again for Prairie Doc, brought to you by the Avera Medical Group, Brookings. As always, you can hear and see more from Dr. Holm online at prairiedoc.org. Rick, that's all till next week. Thank you, Joan. Thank you, Bob, and stay healthy out there.